For a couple of decades now, schools, educators and governments have begun to take bullying seriously and have put a whole raft of awareness campaigns and anti-bullying programs into place. But bullying rates have remained stubbornly high. Have we missed something? Where did we go wrong? This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Hey, it's great to have you with us for another week of Signs of the Times Radio. And zooming in from Lake Macquarie is uh, one of our authors, Mrs. Michaela Mathers. How are you, Michaela? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me, Kent. That's right. And I say Mrs. because you were married recently, so, you know. Yes. Only a year or so ago, wasn't it? Yes, just over a year now, so still getting used to it. Well, (laughs) happy anniversary. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So, Michaela, in your professional life, was it it psychology or or counselling or can you, like, just give us some clear definitions there? Yeah, so I am currently working as a counsellor school counsellor, but I'm also continuing my psychology study. So a related field, but a little bit of a separate qualification. So um, I'm working on my, I've got on my master's of professional psychology. I've got provisional registration as a psychologist, but that's very much still the the study side of things. And my practical work is as a counsellor. Okay. All right. So what is the situation for you with all the COVID restrictions and everything? Is is the school you're working at closed down or sort of limited students? Are you able to go in or what's going on? So the we slowly staggered students start beginning to learn from home. And then for the last little while, students have been entirely at home. And this week, they've just started back it's a smaller school, so all students have started back full-time face-to-face learning again. In the between time, I have been not going into the school, so soon we should be looking at getting that back up and running at the school. Okay. All right. So I guess obviously, I mean, your article is focusing on the bullying issue. It's difficult to picture how bullying could be much of an issue, uh, an issue during these COVID restrictions. Um, um, am I right there? Yeah, well, it would look a little bit different. Unfortunately, the risk for cyberbullying is actually increased at the moment due to right. kids potentially spending a lot more time on screens and, and social media as their way of connecting at the moment. So, yeah, there's been a lot of information going around about the things to look out for is that is a risk at the moment. Okay, all right. I guess that there are different varieties of, of bullying, aren't there? Really? Yeah, well, yeah. Can, can you sort of give us a rundown of the sorts of things that we do define as bullying? And, and I guess coming into that, maybe some of the things that we might think of as bullying that really aren't. Yeah, yeah. And you touch on a good point there. The specific definition in Australia for bullying is an ongoing misuse of power in relationships through repeated verbal, physical and or social behaviour that causes physical and or psychological harm. So that really emphasises the point that bullying, it's not just a one-off incident or Mm. reciprocal peer conflict. So it's that the ongoing nature and the Mm. imbalance of power that really determines whether it's bullying or just poor behaviour and conflict. 
Cyberbullying, however, is a little bit different because it can be a one-off incident as something that's online can happen once, but it can be shared to a much wider audience. So that one gets a little bit trickier there. Right, right. And I guess in, in that sense, because it stays there in cyberspace, it becomes an ongoing issue, even though it might not be a repeated behaviour. Yeah, it can be yeah, a lot more damaging. It can, it can be more permanent. So both other people and also the, the recipient of the you know, poor communication or something can, can keep looking at it. And then they can be can be hurt repeatedly by it. So. Yeah, yeah. And and the other aspect of the the definition that you you read there that I found interesting was all the different aspects of bullying that that are possible. I mean, I think physical is one of them. So actual, you know, physical assault. You know, kids being punched or put in headlocks yeah. or or kicked or or whatever. But what were the other types of bullying apart from physical? Yeah, so verbal, so, you know, making comments, name calling, that kind of thing, and social. So that can be things like, obviously, that can include the verbal and the physical elements, specifically excluding one person. There's one person in, in the class or, or in, you know, who doesn't get invited to the birthday party and every single other person does when it comes to, you know, some social event happening on the weekend, everyone else gets invited except for that person. When it comes to hanging out in the schoolyard at lunchtime, you know, in a circle and a group and playing a game together, everyone gets to play except for this one person. So it's that repeated social isolation. Yeah, when something like that is repeatedly happening, it can create quite that power imbalance. And that's, yeah, where that can be quite damaging in a social setting. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so I guess there are times though when, when, as you say, there's a one-off incident or you don't see that sort of power difference be- between the, the parties. And nevertheless, some student will come rushing in saying such and such as bullying me. You know, that bullying yeah. is the word that's, that's being used. How do, <laughs> how do you sort of untangle that? Yeah, it's a good question. It's really tricky. It is a word that's certainly thrown around a lot and misunderstood by parents, teachers, kids. And yeah, it does get tricky. You end up wanting to, the natural approach is, okay, we'll work out who's telling the truth. (laughs) Which side of this do I believe? You know, is it happening both ways? Is this conflict or is this, you know, is this a group attack towards one particular student, it can be really hard to work out exactly what's going on because as soon as you talk to the other side, they'll, they might say, yes, but they did this. It's very, very messy. Mm, he said, she said, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. And then I guess there's the issue of teachers bullying. I mean, I remember one of the schools I attended, the, there was a particular, it was, it was a high school, there was a particular teacher there who was a very large and he was sort of, you know, the PE teacher sometimes, a very sort of physical sort of guy and he he had a habit of getting boys down on the ground and sort of like putting his foot on their chest and sort of pushing and you know kind of crushing or chucking a basketball at you very very fast and very hard and the interesting thing is that for some kids they were like very sort of physical rough and tumble kids and I think they liked that sort of horseplay wrestling sort of treatment and others I think were quite intimidated by it so, but I guess being a teacher, I mean, you'd, you'd think the standards would be even higher when it comes to that kind of thing. Yeah, you would hope so. But I guess that in that position of power, 
And that's where you have the opportunity, I guess, to misuse that if that's what you choose. Yeah, it can certainly happen where the person is actually in a position of authority or, you know, a power over somebody. And yeah, it can happen that way as well, not just between peers. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess like you say, yeah, the power imbalance is, is a thing. So it could be like a kid, an older kid in, a, in an older class or what, a physically bigger kid or just a kid with more social confidence and more, I don't know, more popularity. Do, do they all, those things all count as sort of power imbalances? Yeah, they can all create that power imbalance as soon as, you know, a, a kid with more friends perhaps or more people around them that can give them a bit of confidence or that sense of power over somebody who might be on their own or, you know, with one other friend, a bigger student, anything like that can be used to create a power imbalance. Mm, okay. So in uh, recent years, probably what, the last decade or, or two, we've seen an increase in awareness of the bullying issue, we've seen various bullying campaigns in schools, you know, different, you know, awareness classes and trainings and things for teachers and, and students. In particular, we've seen an emphasis on protecting kids who are, you know, LGBT, you know, plus from bullying situations. What has been sort of the thrust of a lot of these awareness campaigns and strategies and trainings and what are kids and, and teachers and, you know, school com- and parents being taught to to do differently or or to watch out for? Yeah, well, I guess the more awareness about bullying has led to maybe a bit of an over-identification of instances of bullying, I think, too. That's Mm. led to more just throwing that word around for things that maybe they don't realise don't actually meet the definition of bullying. And the more information we have about the mental health and the physical health impacts of bullying, I think, has made people more aware of that. And wanting to get onto it quicker, and that's the the good intentions of all of these initiatives and education in trying to put a stop to it. But unfortunately, the statistics are showing that it's still quite prevalent, especially in young people. Mm-hmm. Well, what's that about? Do you think that the fact that you know we increase awareness, we tell kids it's bad, you shouldn't do it, this hurts people. We even have awful stories about you know kids being, you know, repeatedly like harassed online or whatever. And then they, you know, and even people saying you should go and kill yourself and then they do, you know, Mm. I mean, there's some pretty horrific stories out there. How how is it that people aren't getting the message that things aren't changing? As you say, statistics are suggesting not bullying is as much a problem as it ever was. Yeah. Well, I think one thing is that the vulnerabilities that, make people more likely to engage in bullying behaviour are really prevalent. So something that makes people more likely to be a bully is poor peer relationships, poor family relationships, family conflict. And these things are still really prevalent. That There's still a lot of kids that aren't maybe getting a good example of how do I interact with people or they're not getting the kinds of connection and they're not sure how to actually, how do I get a connection with somebody? How do I have a positive relationship? Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing is that the instruction of all of these move, anti-bullying movements and programs, the main thing is usually to report to an authority, tell the parents, tell staff at school, tell them what's happened. And while in some cases that's necessary, particularly if it involves the criminal behaviour, so the physical bullying, the harm to possessions, Mm. 
Mm. That might need to happen. But when it's verbal bullying or social bullying, then reporting to an authority creates this, creates hostility really because then the authority comes in and has to go, okay, I've got to investigate. Yeah. (laughs) What's on this side? What's on that side? And this is actually creating hostility rather than going, okay, how do we actually resolve conflict? Yeah, I have to admit, I always found this really confusing growing up, this mixed message that that you get as a kid, you know, hey, you know, I'm the authority, you know, say it says a parent or, or a teacher, I'm here to, you know, mediate conflicts. If, if you have anything that's on your mind, you know, you need to, you can tell me and, but then on the other hand, when you start as a child, when you start sort of saying, hey, you know, I've been treated unfairly here, it's like, oh, you're a dibber-dobber, you know. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then amongst the, you know, even the parents and the teachers will say that. And, and even amongst kids, you, well, especially amongst kids, you get this, you know, don't be a tattletale, don't be a dibber-dobber, you know, snitches get stitches, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's sort of almost like a, a prison mentality, yeah. <laughs> you know. It's it's us against the against the screws sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, it, it's weird. Do you know what I mean in terms of that mixed messages, that, that mixed message that we get? Yeah. We get it's so true. It, the, your peers are telling you don't do that. That's going to create conflict with us. And then the authorities your parents, teachers are saying, no, tell us. We want you to tell us. <laughs> it, it does create more conflict there. Mm. And I think one of the factors that perpetuates that is that if the adult doesn't know what to do to help, and that is super common because they're like complex, tricky situations, it can be hard to know, okay, what, how do I actually help these kids solve a problem? Yeah. And some parents out of, you know, they they might be hurt by what their child's experiencing or and stressed by the the effect they're seeing that it's having on their child. Sometimes it can be easy if you feel like you want to fix it for them, or even even as, as staff at school, you want to come in and, and and tell the other person to stop, for example, and come in and solve the problem where where that isn't actually teaching them the skills of what do I actually do. <laughs> After, you know, maybe after I've told somebody or before that, what do I actually do to respond to this? Yeah, yeah. It is it is so complex, isn't it? And, and it seems that people often, I don't know, like adults give kids some really simplistic suggestions sometimes, like, you know, just walk away, you know, or, you know, tell a teacher or or sometimes some parents will say, look, just give the kid who's hassling you a punch in the face and they'll never hassle you again. And, and the sad thing, the funny thing is, is that sometimes like walking away or, or telling a teacher or punching the kid in the face actually works. Yeah. <laughs> but, but often, often it doesn't because there are so many different situations and each one sort of has its own unique solution and giving this sort of one simple pat answer for, you know, for all bullying situations. I don't know. It, in some ways, it's it creates more trouble than it than it solves. Yeah, yeah. And with there being so many different types of bullying, then we really need to have different types of responses because what works in person isn't going to work online, and yeah. and vice versa. So it makes sense that yeah, what might work in one situation or may, might work one time with a person might not work next time. 
Yeah, yeah. So have you had much luck, Michaela, with, let's say, two kids are in a conflict, whether or not it's a bullying sort of situation, let's just say a simple conflict, and you actually have them both there in the same room. Have you had much success with helping them sort of talk it out, negotiate it out, and to the point where, you know, you don't see a reoccurrence of of that negative behaviour? Yeah, at times, and sometimes it might just be that that particular situation is resolved and something mm. later on <laughs> is still going to create conflict. But there's been times where where I've seen kids be able to actually either, if it, it might just be, be in the same classroom, not have to be best friends, but be able to be around each other or mm. even repair a friendship. Certainly I've seen sitting down and helping them communicate how does that make you feel and listening to each side is is really powerful. Mm. And, and having them listen to each other, I guess. Yeah, making sure, have you heard what that person says? Yes, you didn't think that you were saying that, but that's how it made them feel. And can you see how they didn't really think that they were saying that to you? Well, they didn't mean to do that to you, but that's how it made you feel. And focusing on that rather than, getting a right or wrong, what happened, who did what, but mm-hmm. can you see that whatever you intended to do, that's how the person feels. You wouldn't want to feel like that. So what do you think you can do about this or what do you think you can do from here? Yeah. Can be really yeah. powerful. So, so it's about shifting the focus away from, you know, who, who was right, who was wrong, who's going to get punished, who's going to get away with it, it into actual empathy understand how this situation looked from the other person's point of view and yeah okay yeah as soon as they they start to think well you're right i wouldn't want to feel like that and if what i'm doing is making the person feel like that whether i mean it to or not maybe i need to do something different Mm -hmm. helpful okay now michaela in in your article you uh you mentioned this u.s psychologist by the name of uh, izzy kalman and he has his own anti-bullying program, which flies in the face of a lot of the sort of received wisdom when it comes to bullying and, and anti, anti-bullying. Can you just give us a bit of a thumbnail sketch of, of his critique and, and his approach? Yeah, so Izzy Kalman, he's an American school psychologist and recognised as an anti-bullying expert, but also a very controversial one. His approach is very different to anything that we've seen before. He predicted the downfall of the anti-bullying movement to be the focus on reporting to authorities and Mm. that if authorities then don't know what to do, then that's not actually going to help reduce conflict. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's been criticised for victim blaming. Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, some people have interpreted his response of, okay, let's just teach them how how to resolve conflict, teach some people have interpreted that as, okay, let's focus on the victims and mm. just let's help them get out of the situation. Okay, um, yeah, this, because what he says, sorry, Michaela, sorry for interrupting you. What, you what he says, Michaela, is that, hey, the reason why this person is bullying you or teasing you, if, you know, if, if we don't necessarily want to take it to the bullying level, the reason why this other kid is hassling you is because of the reaction they get from you. When you, when you as a kid, as a, as the victim, like yell or scream or cry or say, no, it's not, you know, and get emotional, that is, ex- this is like a game for the bully. This is exactly yeah. the reaction they're looking for. They want that sense of power and that sense of being able to provoke a reaction. So you need to learn not to give them that reaction. And, 
And I guess I can understand why this focus on the victim's behaviour could be seen as victim blaming. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It could look like he's saying you're you're making this happen or you're making this continue. You're bringing it on yourself. Yeah, yeah. You're you're getting upset, so it's on you. An interesting distinction to make, though, is while the the language he uses is a bit controversial, his approach isn't actually let's focus on the victims. His approach is actually let's focus on teaching all kids how to resolve conflict, how to handle a bullying situation or a conflict situation. And so that's actually you would end up teaching typical bullies, victims, however you want to categorise, and often people can be both. You're actually just teaching all kids how to get along better, how to resolve conflict and how to build positive relationships. And so if you take that look at it a little bit more, it's a little bit more balanced in we're not just working with the victim, we're actually also working with bullies to say to to teach them how to interact better with people. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember my uh, my mum telling me, um, she, she actually was a school counsellor for, for a while, you know, several years back. She said that she was in a classroom one time and she asked all the kids to close their eyes and put their heads down on their desk. And she, uh, I think she asked them a few questions about, you know, to put their hands up and yes or no or whatever. But one question that she asked them was, do you feel like you're the odd one out amongst your your peer group? And she says that without exception, every single kid in the class put their hand up or or at least the vast majority. It seems nearly nearly every kid has a sense that I don't belong, I'm different. Every kid has this sense of being sensitive. And it seems to me that uh, a clever bully is the person who's able to find that thing that you're sensitive about, that thing that makes you feel different from everyone else, and then to sort of poke that and, you know, poke it repeatedly. I mean, mean, sometimes a bully will poke at something that you didn't even think was an issue before. Oh, really? There's something wrong with having red hair or there's something wrong with my dark skin or or wearing glasses or the way I talk? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the differences that that people become super hyper aware of. And interestingly, feeling as though you're different Mm. makes makes you more likely to engage in bullying behaviour but also more likely to become a victim of bullying behaviour. So it's actually a factor in in both sides of of the story. It's something that we're all sensitive to. A preemptive thing from a bully's point of view that before anyone picks on me, I'm going to take the... um, (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to get in first and assert myself. Yeah, I'm going to get people on side. I've got to, you know, not let people know that I'm actually worried about this or I actually think it might be different. Yeah, it's a bit, a bit overcompensating. I guess we have heard that, haven't we? You know, bullies are actually the most insecure people, you know, there are. So in terms of solutions, what does um, Izzy Kalman suggest is, is the way to uh, the way forward for, for kids who are, you know, being bullied or, or, or bullies themselves? So he talks about a bit of what we've been talking about that know why you get upset, like know what, why they're teasing you. What are the things they're pointing on that, what are the buttons they're pushing that make you react? Mm-hmm. And if you know what they are, you are more likely to, to not react when they're pushed. Mm. And, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, this is what they're going to say, and and you you can be a little bit build a little bit of resilience to what they might say. 
And you can also manage your reaction too. You might get upset inside or walk away and be upset, but you can manage your reaction to the person because like we touched on before, it's the game is whoever gets mad first loses. Mm. So reacting to the bully is what goes, I got the button, I found it, and I can know where to push it again. Yep, yep. Okay. And it, and Kalman seems to come up with a, a fairly unique approach in, I guess you could call it a sort of a judo approach in in kind of absorbing teasing comments by accepting them in, in some ways and sort of, you know, saying, yeah, and it's no big deal. Some kid, one kid says to another, oh, you're fat or whatever. And the, and the kid just says, yeah, I probably need to go on a diet. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a struggle, you know, and just accepts it calmly. And that seems to kind of take the wind out of the, uh, out of the bully's sails. Is that the way you understood his technique or part of it? Yeah. Yeah. He certainly, he says his humor a lot to respond and, to help not only the person not internalise what's being said, but also to take away that that reaction that rewards the person for mm. yeah getting the response. Mm-hmm. And the, and the other really interesting aspect I found like just like checking up some of Izzy Kalman's stuff is that he mentions the golden rule, and I'm like judging by his name and and by some of the. Uh, publications he's written for i'm i'm guessing he he has a a jewish um, background and it's interesting to hear him sort of using this quite you know new testament idea you know these words of jesus the, the golden rule you know do unto others as you would have them do unto you although i believe it's also been said you know many of the world's major religions have a, have a similar concept but yeah did, did you find that interesting yeah i found that really fascinating i think something i found particularly fascinating was that both of these approaches, both Izzy Kalman and the golden rule, the approach is positive statements. So what you should do, do this, treat people how you want to be treated, mm. build resilience, be aware of what makes you upset, be aware of how you can respond to not encourage the other person to keep going. And mm-hmm. same as the golden rule is do this. And using that these positive statements is actually quite empowering rather than just saying, don't do this, don't bully, Mm. don't do this. So a a really fascinating thing that happened at the school, we were doing an activity to promote awareness about bullying and but focusing on how to resolve conflict. What, how can you show empathy to other people? How can you get along? And all of the students could tell me all of the the classic punchlines of, you know, don't bully, we don't tolerate bullying, all of these lines, and then go to do the colouring in page and argue about what colour text is they wanted to use and have trouble sharing out the pencils. And during your practice, eh? <laughs> yeah, and it was a great it was a great time to to talk about this and go, yeah, we can we know the the big statements, don't bully, don't do that, but how do we actually get along? How do we actually negotiate when we're not agreeing or we don't see things the same way? And I think that when we look at it that way, this, these positive statements, do this rather than don't do this, mm-hmm. you can actually give people a sense that I'm not a victim of something. I'm actually I'm in a tricky situation and I can work out what I can do to help make myself feel better and also to help get along better with people. I think that's quite a powerful way of presenting this idea than the anti-bullying movement. 
Mm, wow. Hey, thanks so much, Michaela. You've really given us uh, something to think about and some great practical tips uh, along the way there. Yeah, thanks for being a uh, part of uh, Science Radio this week. Thanks for having me, Kit. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit scienceofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. 